Hi, welcome to another episode of The Consulting Trap. I'm your host, Brian Maddox, and I am here today with Nadia Rousseau from Alternew Media. Welcome, Nadia. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking, intrigued. I don't know what exactly we're going to talk about, but I'm ready for it. It should be fun. <laughs> well, I guess we'll start with the easy stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your practice and where you came from and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So I came from outer space from the Perfect. metaverse. No. <laughs> um, no. So my name is Nadia and I'm the founder and CEO of global marketing and media company, Alternate Media. Um, I grew up in a little town called Hagerstown, Maryland, which is in Western Maryland. Um, anyone that's in the DMV area, if they're like, oh, where are you from? Like, I'm from the, the area with the prime outlets in it. And they're like, oh, okay. So that's just how exciting my town was growing up. So nice. that is why I could not stay there past the age of 18. And I ended up in Southern California and the LA area to pursue a career in the entertainment industry. So I did that for a while. I was an actor and a model, got tired of that, lots of craziness in that world. And so, you know, ultimately I wasn't fulfilled there. So I pivoted to my first love, which was freelance writing and journalism. Did that for a few years, which opened up the doors to social media and digital production. So I would say, I mean, this is obviously the short story, but that was really the catalyst for starting the company, the a TV show I was producing and hosting um, at around 2016. So now we mostly focus on strategy development, um, influencer marketing, PR, and purposeful partnerships. But we also have a hand in digital production still. So we have a media side mostly tied into our influencer division. We are global. I have about 15 people on the team. I lead the business with my beautiful wife and co-founder, Lauren, who um, I actually met online when living in Maryland, and she was in California. So that's part of why I ended up over there. That's another story. But yeah, that's kind of a roundabout um, tale of how I came to be in this position. So... um the natural sort of first question is, um, you know, that transition from, um, you know, from acting and whatnot into and, and writing into that marketing strategy space. How did you make that jump? What were the um, what were the things that led you to believe that this was the area to go in? And then what did you do to make that happen? Sure. So it definitely was not all at once. So you know, I started getting burned out on the the acting world and I started was like, okay, you know, what can I do? And I pivoted to the, the freelance journalism area and blogging. At that time, though, I was also working in a day job. I was working in a law firm as a um, paralegal and also a legal collector. It was a collections law firm. So there's always been that part of my brain that's been very strategic logic oriented while the other is very highly creative visionary so i was already kind of marrying these two worlds um whether i knew it or not so basically i had a couple of interviewees both of whom had wellness products um around 2012 2013 and they were like hey can you help me with my twitter account and i'm like yeah i guess and then they were you know a bit older um, boomer generation. And I was like, okay, so I helped them out, not really thinking much of it at the time. And what happened was they started getting more followers, which converted to more customers. And it was, you know, kind of like a snowball effect. So it's like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm good at this, even though it's not really a thing. Because back then, 10 years ago now, my God, it wasn't a thing like it is today. So I just kept dabbling in that. 
And then, you know, I wanted to get my hand back in the entertainment world. And so that's why I decided to produce uh, a TV show about intersectional identity, which was a web series, essentially, but I still filmed in person in a studio in Hollywood. So around that time, um, I want to say that was 20, the end of 2016 into 2017, I was also still starting to build out the, the freelance social media stuff. So I was taking it a little more seriously while still working at the law firm and producing this show and going to school part-time. So I was a little bit crazy in this year, 2016. By the end of 2016, though, I left the day job and then just pursued the show and the freelance social stuff more seriously. Um, I was using Fiverr, which is an online marketplace for buyers and sellers. At that time, not as a seller. I was using it as a buyer because I didn't have a team yet. It was really just me. So occasionally I would get like a graphic design pack or something because I wanted to focus on copy for the clients, few clients I was serving at that time. And so I was invited um, to a photo shoot for Fiverr <laughs> because I was in LA and that's what happens when you're in LA. It was like, okay, you're going to be representing the buyer side. We're going to tell a big story about sellers and buyers. I'm like, all right. Well, while I was there, I got an in, some intel that there was going to be a pro division of the Fiverr marketplace launching later in the year. I'm like, well, what's that? Um, I'm not selling on there because I'm not selling a $5 service. Like, no. And like, well, that's exactly why we're launching it. It's for vetted service providers who can sell at a more premium price point. So it's like, huh, okay, that could be interesting. So of course I went and I applied for that opportunity. By the end of 2017, I was approved. And that's when I launched an Instagram growth service, which did have a strategy component there. It was a time where like a lot of bots services were gaining popularity obviously not the case anymore because the algorithm has caught up with that um those third-party applications but i wasn't using bots i was doing it all organic um and so that service took off and that's where, how i started getting a presence on the fiber marketplace out of thousands of sellers because i was like one of the newbie pros and i was getting courted and supported and my presence grew. I started incorporating other services, more of a comprehensive marketing strategy because that became a request. I wanted to get more in the influencer space. So I integrated that. And then I integrated PR because I've always been a bit of a matchmaker of sorts. And that's how I started the, the Purposeful Partnership um, initiative, wherein I partner the, the nonprofits with the for-profits. So I would say it was a combo of like, you know, people presenting a need to me, like with those interviewees, along with the opportunity of getting on the Fiverr marketplace. That was kind of like the catalyst for the growth. So by 2018, by the end of 2018, um, I had a team of like six people. And now, like I said, we have a team of 15. Although I will say last year, we started the year with a team of 20. So we have cut down our staff. It seems, um, it seems like the recurring theme though, if I had to to, to kind of put one together is that you've been very open along the way to when these opportunities arise, capitalizing on them. How do you identify what opportunities are good and worth exploring versus uh, ones that are just kind of show up and uh, you go, eh, I'm not so sure. It seems like you've got a good uh, kind of radar for that. Yeah. So that's a great question. I think, you know, if you do feel that, uh, I'm not so sure feeling in your gut and you're like, Oh, you know, maybe this could be good, but there's something intuitively inside of you that just feels like not so certain about it. Then I would say that's an opportunity 
you probably should walk away from unless you have really thoroughly vetted it and you realize that that uncertainty is more to do with like insecurity or imposter syndrome or something like that versus the opportunity itself. Like I have said yes to so many things. I've, I will say I've said yes to more things than I've said no in my come up, so to speak. But over the last couple of years, I've had to say no to more things, but I'm still saying yes to a lot. Things that you know, someone looking in from the outside would be like, you don't have time for that. And I'd be like, I'll make time for it. Mm. So do you, what are the criteria you use to evaluate those opportunities? Is it, is it strictly like, um, is there a novelty component to it? Is it a personal growth and development? Is it, this looks like it could be long-term revenue? How do you, how do you factor those decisions against each other? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it varies depending on what that opportunity is. But overall, I think about is this going to amplify my personal brand awareness and alternative media's brand awareness? And will that amplification drive an increase in revenue and opportunities, other opportunities that in turn will do the same thing? Like, will there be a domino effect of this action that I'm going to take? That evaluating the kind of future and how the pieces fit together, um, that that starts to present an interesting pr- kind of perspective on uh, the decision making process. How do you? Um, I, I know I'm asking you like, how do you predict the future? Uh, which is an odd question, uh, but let's go with it. How do you predict the future on this stuff? <laughs> you know, I guess you really. I mean, I think in the earlier days, I really could not predict the future because I didn't have the the experience to really know or like properly forecast what the, the probable outcomes could be. It was more like, I'm not in a position where I can say no yet. So I'm just going to say yes, unless the opportunity looks like diabolical. <laughs> and then I will say no, for sure. But now, you know, I can suss it out a lot better than I did in the past when I was younger. You know, I like evaluate the value system of the person and the entity that's presenting the opportunity. I evaluate, is this going to take time away from like the actualization of my bigger mission and vision, or is it going to help feed into it? So I think it's really important that you're crystal clear on like what your personal mission and vision is along with your companies. Um, because if you don't really know that, then you might just start saying yes to like any and everything that just because you're like, well, I have to. And sometimes, yeah, I mean, when you're starting out, like you should probably say yes to more than you should say no. But again, like, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff. And having been in LA for almost 14 years, like, I have seen and dealt with it all. I know I haven't like should not have said yes to a lot of things back in the day, but there are stories I can tell my grandchildren. So yeah, right. <laughs> I imagine, I imagine your barometer for weird and the barometer for weird for somebody in Kansas are probably wildly oh, yeah. different. Um, oh my God, for sure. <laughs> so, so as you, you know, as you've pivoted and grown, um, you've started that process of scaling and um, that's something that I think is going to be really interesting to talk about a little bit as well, because as you've had to scale up, how has that informed your decision-making process around um, what clients you take on, what work you take on? Yeah. I mean, again, I think for the most part in our growth, which um, 2020, like when the pandemic started, I, of course, like pretty much everybody had that, oh shit moment, like, oh my goodness, 
this is not going to be a good outcome. And of course, you know, there were like the, for the first few months of it, like April through mid June, it was much slower than anticipated, but then suddenly everything kind of exploded and 2020 was our biggest year to date from the prior years. And then we grew from 2020 to 21 um, by 60%, 21 to 2022. It was not as big of a bump, but we still did more than we did in 21. So needless to say, we were saying yes to probably 90% of the stuff that came our way, unless it was diabolical or completely random. Um, We said yes to it. We're like, you know what? we're focusing on growth and, you know, making more like revenue. So we're going to say, I mean, unless of course it, you know, it completely misaligned with the services that we were providing. Like we weren't like picky if like a, a prospective customer, like maybe they seemed a little odd or their product or service was a little, you know, not something we were passionate about. We still took that on, but now we are starting to move into a position where yeah, we're still scaling up, but now we're productizing certain services a lot even further than they were before. And we're going to, you know, ultimately for those services, probably it's going to be a 90% yes to those who come in for those, like in those funnels for sure. But for something like Purposeful Partnership, which is a much higher ticket offer, um, we are going to be very carefully vetting who we will be supporting for that because, there's a lot more on the line because we'll be partnering those companies with nonprofits and we need to ensure that the company we're serving is truly passionate about, you know, doing a campaign with a nonprofit and supporting a nonprofit um, and not just like virtue signaling. So that would be an example of more carefully vetting the situation. Gotcha. So, and, and you, you said some, some things I want to key off of here. You've made the decision to start productizing services. Um, how has that process evolved throughout the the startup phase? Uh, where does it look like now? Where is it? Where do you see it going? Yeah, so we, you know, in the beginning it was fairly productized to begin with with the Instagram growth service. Um, but then when I launched the marketing strategy service, what would happen was, I mean, that service was productized in and of itself. However, when someone got the strategy what would happen was they would be like one person would say, okay, great. Thank you. This is amazing. Can you implement a, B and C? And the next person would be like, thank you. Yes, this is amazing, but you can implement X, Y, and Z. And the next one was like, well, I want to implement that and this. And so it was like each one had their own little smorgasbord of execution. And so then it's like, you know, your initial service, almost like a high end tripwire is productized but then the implementation phase is not and then then the team gets a little thrown off like one service is getting one or one client is getting blogs and social media the other one's getting newsletters and influencer marketing and the other one's getting pr and this and that so it's just like craziness so now we're like no full marketing strategy and then if you want implementation or further support, you know, post-strategy development. These are the three tracks, a done-with-you track, which is like a consulting track, um, a middle-of-the-road track, which will include, you know, three socials and like the newsletters and blogs, and then the full implementation track, you know, at the highest price point. So just that, those few things. Of course, there might be a little bit variability in terms of like the social media channels because, you know, that varies by industry but it's not as wildly variable as it was before. And our publicist in a box service is very 
productized. That is a press release, three articles, and um, 50 media pitches. And of course, the articles where we place those depends on, you know, the customer. But the process itself is streamlined. So I think a lot of the productization, it comes in how you're streamlining your processes on the back end. Um, you know, because if you're just like doing mixing it up from person to person, that's going to get really chaotic really quick. Yeah, there's no scalability in that, right? It gets much, no. much harder to grow. So you've you you said you've continued to productize and you've worked on that um, uh, moving forward. How do you see that evolving over the next year or so as you grow your business? Yeah, for sure. So definitely we're going to be ramping up um, focus on the brand and marketing strategy package and the publicist in a box, but mainly from the standpoint that we want to drive like huge increases in revenue on those two buckets for the purpose of promoting purposeful partnership more and promoting our influencer board and digital production side um, and growing that side of the company because the media side is a really exciting side and our approach to how we're like kind of vetting media opportunities is very unique because we do so um, depending on different influencers that we might take on as representation. So we're essentially like have a talent management arm for influencers, for select influencers and for select and those like a few of these influencers, we will produce content for them, whether it be podcast series, web series, um, we've even had conversations with big networks about some of the, one of the web series that we're producing, you know, these go on IMDb. So that's where I'm like channeling my, um, my roots and excited to move the company forward into that area. So has, um, has, has AI disrupted your business yet? <laughs> um, I want my team to be a little more familiar with how to use the, the lovely chat <laughs> GPT that everyone, I keep hearing people freaking out about it, but it's like my team barely even knows about it. And I keep telling them how to use this to help them like quicken their research. And I'm like, you know, that's one of the biggest benefits of it is like how they can use the tool to quicken their research. So then they can have more time to be creative. I feel like a lot of people are freaking out about AI. I love it. I feel like it is a tool for us to do more and be more efficient and be more creative because we have less time that would be spent on like kind of the tedious research stuff. If we have tools like ChatGPT helping us out, that said, I always tell, you know, people I'm talking to about this and like the research only goes as far as 2021, you know, you're not going to get the most like newsworthy or contemporary um, outcomes, but you can definitely use it to put together very straightforward SOPs or at least utilize that more as a template. I think it's going to be um, even more game changing than that. There was a couple um, uh, I just saw there was, I guess it just got shut down, but there was a um, uh, something called nothing forever, which was like the forever Seinfeld episode that a, <laughs> one of the AI bots was writing. Um, and it was just in real time. It was continuing to write script for Seinfeld basically. <laughs> um, and there was a, there's, there's some other stuff now that's coming out uh, where you can literally have it produce video from scratch um, nice. based on prompts. So, uh, it's definitely, definitely coming and it's definitely going to hit everybody. I think it's going to be, um, even harder to differentiate once, um, once all that stuff gets automated 
uh, to a degree, mm-hmm. but uh, super interested to see how this is going to impact your business. I think I want to check back in, in six months to a year and find out where you're yeah, at at that I'm time. I'm excited. I think it will help us scale up like crazy. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So I'm very excited about it. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for your time here today. But before we go, I want to ask a couple quick questions. Uh, first thing first, who should reach out to you and how should they get a hold of you? Anybody who should reach out to me, unless you're a creeper, I definitely want to chat. <laughs> I would love to chat with you, um, particularly if you are self-described as a mission-driven entrepreneur or business owner. Um, you can hit me up on Instagram at Nadia Rousseau. That's N-A-D-Y-A-R-O-U-S-S-E-A-U. My company is Alternative Media. Same thing at Alternative Media on IG. Super straightforward. Hit us up and yeah, um, love to connect. I love creating content myself. You know, I also have a podcast I recently launched called Nadia's Entrepreneurial Corner. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. And on your journeys to get to where you are today, what are the three biggest uh, things you picked up along the way? Hmm. Wow. So that's a really good question. I think the first one is the importance of being resilient because you are going to hear more no's in your life, um, especially in the beginning, than you will hear yes. So you have to be resilient. Um, you know, there were times where I had like next to nothing. I had to stretch the $600 over the course of like six months and like live off black beans and cans of like slim fast so yeah you got to be resilient when you're on your come up so that's number one number two um give more than you desire to take back being a giver and extending support to others goes so far and no don't just do it for like the the sake of like oh yeah well if i give and i better get back you're not always going to get back but it is you know a good thing to be out there doing mitzvahs in the world. And I'm of the the strong belief that the more you do that, yes, the more, you know, the universe will recognize that. And the third is continue to self-educate all the time. Like you always want to be informed in the latest trends in your industry on, you know, the movers and shakers in your industry and, you know, just kind of growing your own unique perspectives on these updates and changes so like you know like you mentioned with ai you want to have your own unique spin on what's happening with that like don't just sit there and like regurgitate other people's information ai will do that for you right perfect thank you so much for your time today nadia thoroughly appreciate it uh looking forward to hearing how your business moves moving forward thank you scraping on thanks for listening to this episode of the consulting trap If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-A-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our Podcasting Done For You service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you, yes, you. 
it's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet, or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. Thanks.